Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, well, as you take a seat, as the kids head back to Kids Church with Miss Rhonda, let me invite you to take your Bible and go to Mark chapter 1. Yes, we are still in Mark chapter 1. We will not be there forever, I don't think. I think we will eventually move, move out of chapter 1, but we are going to be there for, for a couple of more weeks. Uh, so, so far in, in the Gospel of Mark, we have seen um, really the, the introduction of uh, Jesus, the introduction of John the Baptist, and how in those two individuals, God fulfilled hundreds of years worth of promises and prophecies, that God was doing something new in, in sending John the Baptist and, and then to prepare the way for the one who would be the Savior for Jesus Christ. We saw how John came preparing the way, baptizing in the wilderness, calling people to repent of their sins. And then when uh, John was arrested, Jesus immediately took, took up that, that ministry and, and began uh, carrying it on. And we saw how John really moved um, out of the spotlight and passed the ministry on to Jesus, the one for whom he, was, he had come to prepare the way. And uh, last week we saw Jesus' baptism, setting that example for us. We saw his temptation in the wilderness, uh, again showing us that, uh, that, that he had overcome temptation completely and, and should hopefully encouraging us that we can overcome temptation as well. And then we saw Jesus in, in, chapter, in chapter 1, verse 15, beginning to proclaim his message, and that was that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. So Jesus begins his ministry by proclaiming the gospel, Go, begins going around proclaiming the gospel, and this morning we come to really a pivotal passage. If, if last week described what Jesus' message was, this morning we can say, really, this is the, the start of what we would know as Jesus' earthly ministry uh, because he calls his first disciples. He calls his first followers. And we'll see two sets of brothers whom Jesus calls out of their everyday lives into a life of extraordinary obedience. We're going to hear this call of Jesus today. And then we'll be challenged to respond. And so I want, uh, I want you to begin asking, now, how will you answer? How will you respond to the call of Jesus? Let's go to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. And let's stand as we read the word the Lord's given to us this morning. The word of the Lord says this, As he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew... Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat putting their nets in order. Immediately, he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the great privilege that it is to be able to open up your word. 
collectively as, as the people of God, and I just pray you would speak to us this morning through your word. That we would hear maybe for the first time the, the call to follow you, and maybe for, the, for those of us that have been believers for, for a while, maybe, maybe this morning we just need to hear a renewed call to follow after you, to lay aside the things of this world and, and to follow you once more. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Man, thank you. You can have a seat. So the first thing that we see, and, and, and I, I find this striking, first thing we see is that Jesus calls out of the mundane. So we can verses 16 and then 19. Verse 16 says, As he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, we're, we're told he went on a little farther and he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat putting their, their nets in order. So we have here are two sets of brothers, both who are fishermen, really going about their everyday, ordinary lives. Now, from, from John's gospel, we, we learn that this is, this is probably not the first time they've encountered Jesus. They've, they, they've been introduced to him before. They've, they've seen him, but, but they certainly were not expecting him to just uh, come in and, and to turn their lives around in such a drastic fashion as he does here. And yet here they are, mending or going about their everyday lives, fishing, taking care of their businesses, and Jesus steps in and calls fishermen. That the very first people that Jesus calls to himself are fishermen. So what we need to understand is Jesus calls people from all walks of life. And, and he calls us out of what we might consider normal, to a new normal. Now, for most of us, that, that probably won't necessitate leaving your career behind. See, one of the things I've learned is, is that we need Jesus followers who are doctors and lawyers and plumbers and electricians and teachers and preachers and pilots and everything in between. One of the beauties of the kingdom of God is that people from all different kind of walks of life that really have nothing else in common come together as followers of Christ. But Jesus does not just call people from extraordinary backgrounds or with outstanding credentials. See, if we, if we take a step back here and we consider all the people that Jesus could have called, it's really interesting. He could have called um, the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees, who had an incredible amount of religious training. He could have called someone uh, with, with the zeal, with the education, like, like Paul in these early days. In fact, we might even sit around and argue about, man, just imagine what all, Paul could have, or what all Jesus could have accomplished through Paul if, if he had walked with him for, for three years. But understand this, there are no prerequisite requirements for following Jesus. And that's good news. I don't know if you ever tried to apply for a job and like you see the prerequisites and you immediately go, like, start 
It's kind of a downer, right? Like, oh, you need seven years experience. Well, that's what I'm trying to get. (laughs) There are no prerequisite requirements for following Jesus. Your background and who your family is or isn't doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you hear his call. And his call is two words. Follow me. That's it. Follow me. This morning, I wonder if you've heard this call to follow after him. And if so, you you have a choice to make. I've encountered a lot of people who respond to the call to follow Jesus of, well, uh, that sounds good, but I've got some things I need to take care of, or, or I have some things that I want to do, and then I'll follow Jesus later. But hear me, don't delay. I'll plead with you to not delay. Because to not decide is to decide. That leads us right into the, the next part of this. So we've seen, we've seen that Jesus falls out of the mundane. These guys were going about their normal, everyday lives. And Jesus walks up, says, follow me. And the next thing we see is that Jesus' call is immediate. Look at me verses 18 and 20. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Verse 20, uh, to, to James and John, immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and, father, and, and followed him. Now, I said last week that this word immediately is used extensively throughout Mark's gospel. And, and if you don't believe me, it's used twice in these four verses alone, okay? Get used to that word, immediately. Mark's is a fast-paced gospel, because there's an urgency, and I think, I think that's purposeful. I think he's trying to communicate something about the urgency of following Jesus. Jesus walks up to fishermen, says, follow me, and immediately they go. We're even told that, that James and John leave their father with the hired hands, and, and in this case, that, that's probably uh, alluding to the fact that, that they had a, a rather successful fishing business. If if they were able to afford hired hands, means things were going well. As the owner's sons, they, they would have stood to inherit this, this successful fishing business. If we look at Peter and Andrew in verses 16 and 17, excuse me, verse 16, we're not, we're not told anything. We're not given any other details about their fishing business. We're not told anybody else is, is with them. So it's possible theirs was a much smaller operation. It's, it's possible, and this is just conjecture. Uh, hear that, okay? This is Kyle's opinion. <laughs> it, it's possible that they were in the early days of building their business, and maybe they had big dreams about becoming the next Galilean fishing magnets. Okay? We don't know. But what we do know is that both sets of brothers leave their own futures in an instant to follow after Jesus. 
And because they did, their lives will never be the same. As I said a few moments ago, to to not decide or to delay in following Jesus is to make a decision. See, the best time to follow Jesus is about 10 years ago. The next best time is now, okay? And so I wonder, what's, what's holding you back from saying yes to Jesus? Now, make no mistake, there's a cost. There's a cost in following after Jesus. There's surrender. See, to follow Jesus is to surrender control over your own life. It's to lay aside your own hopes, your dreams, and your wishes about the future. To follow Jesus is to declare, I am a stranger and an alien in this world. My my true home is not on any street or any avenue here in Alamogordo, but with God the Father in a place called heaven. I'm simply passing through or... As the old hymn says, I'm just a poor, wayfaring stranger. I wonder what fears keep you back from following after Jesus. See, in Scripture, we have stories not just of men like Peter and Andrew and James and John who immediately leave everything and and follow after him. We We have stories, sad stories of those who were called to follow Jesus, but who loved this world and the things in this world more. For instance, we have the story of a rich young ruler who is not willing to lay aside his material wealth because as, as maybe you've seen or maybe you've even experienced, the, the real problem wasn't that he had wealth. The problem was that his wealth had him. We see another who is concerned with his own comfort. So when Jesus said, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, listen, you want to follow after me? That's great. I I really don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. And and that chased him away. Yet another had felt felt the weight of his family responsibilities. And he said, but Jesus, let me take care of these things and then I'll come follow you. I'll follow you later. To him, Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, the call to follow Jesus is immediate, but but don't miss this. It's, It's also invasive. Now, let me explain. By that, I simply mean when you follow Jesus, everything will change. Your allegiances, your priorities your worldview, how you spend your time, maybe even how you spend your money. Maybe even some of the most significant relationships in your life will change. As I was studying this week, I came across this, and, and I loved this quote. One, one commentator put it this way. He, he puts before us a blank check and says, sign at the bottom, and I will fill in the details. See, this call to follow Jesus is immediate and it's unconditional. So the question for us then is, will you follow anyway? 
What are you afraid of surrendering to follow after the Savior of the world? Now there is a sense in which the call to follow Jesus is a call to war. It's, it's a declaration of war on the enemy, on Satan, and, and the kingdom of darkness. It's, it's a declaration that you serve a new master. It's a declaration that the old you is dead and gone and you're a new person. It's what we signify when, when we baptize, that, that we've been buried with Christ in baptism. We've been raised to walk in a new life with him. At this point, you, you might be thinking, man, that's a lot. There might even be some in here that, that have been uh, Christians for a long time, and you're going, I'm not quite sure that's what I signed up for. I mean, I walked in, I prayed a prayer, it was, jumped in the baptistry, and I was promised eternal life. That, that sounded good. Hell bad, heaven good. Like, we, we get that, right? What do you mean this whole thing about surrender and, and following and, and, and it being invasive? I, I don't like that. Is it worth it? I'm glad you asked. You guys always ask really good questions. I'm glad you asked that. Verse 17 tells us that Jesus calls us to a mission. So, so he calls out of the mundane. He calls us where we are in our everyday, normal lives. You don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't, you don't have to have education. You don't have to, you don't have to be extremely intelligent. God, God calls us right where we are. That calls immediate. Follow me. In that moment that we hear the call, we have a decision to make. But hear me. He doesn't just call us to leave things behind. He does, it's not a call to simply abandon everything. It's a call to something. And that's to a mission. This is what we see in verse 17. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. See, one of the things I'm afraid we've, we failed to mention often enough is that we're not just saved from sin and death, but that we're saved to something. We're saved to a new life when we follow after Jesus. These words are interesting, right? Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Now, I, I, I think that would probably tweak the ears of fishermen. Say, what? I think this is just Jesus contextualizing his call. Follow me and, and this is what we're going to do. I'm not sure he would have used the same thing if, if his, first, uh, his first, uh, first person he called was Matthew, the tax collector. Not, I'm not sure those words would have been the same. But to fishermen, he says this, follow me. I'll make you fish for people. I said, I would imagine that intrigued them. And over the next three years for, for these disciples and, and for us throughout the rest of the, our time in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to discover just what it looks like to fish for people. But for just a minute, let's, rather than trying to break that down and, well, exactly what did Jesus mean? What exactly was he, was, was he telling them in that moment? Let's, let's back up and look at the larger picture of, of what we see them doing over the next three years and, and beyond for the rest of their life as their followers of Christ. We see that three of these men, Peter, James, and John, become Jesus' inner circle. Peter and John become the key leaders in 
the early church in the book of Acts. And John goes on to write his own gospel along with three New Testament letters and the Revelation. Something happened in these men's lives at this moment that changed things for the rest of their lives and and even for eternity for them and for countless millions who've read their words and been changed by them and have chosen to follow Jesus. In Acts 4.13, Luke writes this about Peter and John. When, when they, talking about the religious leaders, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed, and look at this last line, and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now keep in mind, they were fishermen. That means they talked like fishermen, they acted like fishermen, they probably smelled like fishermen. They weren't educated, they weren't refined. When people looked at them, they, they, they were shocked because here were these unimpressive men, uneducated and untrained But they were amazed not at Peter and John. They were amazed because they recognized they had been with Jesus. As I said at the beginning, there's no prerequisite knowledge to follow Jesus. The only qualification is a willingness to answer his call. This was their qualification. They had been with Jesus. And that's made... That's the thing that made all the difference in their lives. They had been with Jesus and nothing else was ever the same. So what's this mission that they were called to and, and what's this mission that we're still called to today? Well, we see that if we back up just a little bit in Acts and, and look at Acts 1.8. This is what we read. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So here's the mission. The mission is to be witnesses for Jesus everywhere, starting right here at home. Starting in Jerusalem, where they were. Now, to become witnesses demands some training, right? In fact, um, we're going to start that Wednesday night at 6 o'clock evangelism training. I know that doesn't sound super exciting, I know, but listen, this is important. Part, part, of, part of being witnesses for Jesus, part of, of those, being those who speak up and speak out about the gospel re- requires just a little bit of training. Requires knowing, what, knowing the basics of the gospel, being able to communicate that in an effective way. But it also requires, witness requires talking, yes? Imagine going to court, so we know the word witness, right? It's, it's, a, it's a legal term, it's a court term. Imagine going to, going to court and there's a witness who's been called and they're asking questions and they're just sitting there, not responding, never open their mouth. Now imagine coming off and, and then being asked, so, so how did it go? It went great. I was a great witness. What would you say? Oh, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have to say anything. 
They could tell by the way I lived my life what I believed. I, I smiled so pretty at that lawyer. I just knew they believed every, everything that I had to say. No, it requires speaking up. Now listen, I, I'm not discounting the way we live. The, the way we live matters because people are watching. And if the things that we say we believe don't line up with the way that we live, there, there's a problem. Because as we've been told, actions speak louder than words. But listen, your words got to speak. You, you ever, those of you that have been around a toddler at any point will know them, those maddening few moments where they're trying to communicate something to you, but they refuse to talk, right? Grunting and pointing only goes so far. Before finally, and, and every parent I know has done this at some point, we use those three words. Use your words. Believer, use your words. I don't know what to say. I get all nervous. That's why we're going to do training. We're going to, we're going to learn some, some words. We'll have the opportunity to practice. It's how you become more, more comfortable with something is practicing it, re- repeating it, doing it over and over again. So our mission is to be to be witnesses. But it goes deeper than that. And this is what Paul explains in 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now now consider this really quickly. When, When an ambassador is sent from the United States to a foreign country, They're not sent as a representative of the United States. Ambassadors are sent as representatives of the president. Paul says here, we are ambassadors for Christ. We have been sent by him as as believers. We have been sent as personal representatives of Christ with a message, and this, this is the message. Be reconciled to God. Now, there's a lot of um, emphasis these days on evangelistic methods. Well, which tract are you going to use, or, or which presentation? We're, we're going to look at a presentation in the training. We're, we're, we're going to look at one specific presentation. But some, sometimes people get so hung up on their method of evangelism that, that they discount others. This is not new. This has been going on for a while. For instance, this is what Charles Spurgeon said in the, in the late 1800s. He said, Our business is not to entice a fish to swallow the bait, but to cast the net all around us and lift sinners out of the element in which they lie into the boat where Christ is. So listen, when, when it comes to, to being on the mission that Christ has given to us, it's not our job to close the sail. It's not our job to push for a decision. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. Our job is to spread the seed, to cast the net, and to make the call. 
And listen, doesn't that take pressure off? Because the, the message doesn't depend on us, but upon the one who sent us. There's a popular song on Christian radio right now by, by a group Casting Crowns um, with, with a line that they did not originate. They didn't write it. They co-opted it from someone else. Probably that anonymous guy who's so smart. But, but I love this. this. This line is this. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who can save anybody. Another good definition of evangelism that I've heard of sharing the gospel is this. Evangelism is just one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. This is the mission. He calls us out of the mundane. He calls us to follow immediately and he calls us to a mission. That mission is to tell everybody. So this morning, my my, my first question is this. Have you heard the call to follow Jesus? Have you heard that call? If you have, you'll know that call demands a response. This call to follow Jesus is immediate. There will always be some excuse. There will always be a reason why now's not a good time. But, but consider this. As you, as you wrestle with, with how to respond to today's message, so whether, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and, and you're, you're he- hearing this call to a, to a deeper fellowship with him, or whether you're here and you've, you've never made that decision to follow after Christ. Hear this. Remember that someone told you about Jesus. And at some point, that person decided to follow Jesus. I'm reminded of a story I heard from um, gentleman by the name of Paul Chitwood, who's the current uh, president of the International Mission Board. So we'll, we'll hear from him and, and see his face a lot more uh, as we move to, toward the uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering that goes to the International Mission Board. Now keep in mind, he's, a, he's seminary educated, has a PhD, leading now the, the largest international missionary force in the world. He grew up in a single-parent household in rural Kentucky. His father was a single dad, not interested in church at all, known known as a bit of a rough character around around town. One night, two deacons, to hear Dr. Chitwood say it, may have taken their lives in their own hands to walk up to the Chitwood house and have a conversation. And in so doing, Dr. Chitwood's father came to faith in Christ, began taking his boys to church, experienced a radical life transformation that was passed on to his children. 
Now one of those boys leads the largest international missionary force the world has ever seen. Aren't you glad that somebody took the time to follow Jesus? Aren't you glad that Peter and Andrew and James and John left their nets and immediately followed after Jesus? Aren't you glad that they surrendered their lives to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? They walked with him and that they wrote down what they heard so that we might still read about him and follow him 2,000 years later. See, they followed Jesus on a mission. The same mission that we have today. To proclaim the truth. Follow Jesus and to proclaim him. So will you follow? Right here, right now, in this room today, will you follow? Yes, there will be some sacrifices. But, but I'm convinced that none of us will ever leave anything behind to follow after Jesus that we'll look back on in 50 years and say, wow, you know, I sure wish I hadn't done that. Jesus' call is simple. Follow Will you follow him today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for this story that, that you inspired Mark to write down for us. Just a few simple verses that, that tell a simple story, and yet for these men, for Peter, Andrew, James, and John, changed their lives and because of what they experienced, because of what they wrote down for us, changed many of our lives, countless millions of others. So Father, first of all, I pray that if there's anyone in the room today who has not yet made that decision, who has not laid their yes down on the table for you, that today would be the day. They would say, I'm, I, I want to follow after Jesus. Pray today's the day. For the rest of us, maybe we've been following Jesus longer than a lot of people in this room have been alive. Help us to realize that call still stands to follow you, to lay aside earthly cares, lay aside fears, and to follow you. Whether that leads us across the world or across the street. May we have the boldness and the courage to leave our nets and to follow where you call immediately. Help us to do that. Walk with us as we do. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.